Even though our world is broken, there is hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Candid Mike is here to share the gospel through life lessons and heavy-hitting interviews that will leave you inspired. In each episode, you will have the opportunity to make a difference in your personal life and in the lives of those you love. Today's episode has something good for you. Welcome back, listeners. I'm Mitchell Lavender, your host. It's so good to be with you guys again, and I am excited about what we're talking about tonight because we're going to talk about how to reach out to people. Before we get into the juicy details, though, I do want to continue to update you on how things are going in my life. This past week, I would say, has been a bit of an emotional one. Uh, One of our good friends is moving on to Miami. Um, A lot of different life situations have just kind of been rearing their heads and For example, we have friends responding differently to the gospel, and that's always interesting because you want the person to want to follow God, and it continues to remind me and my heart and my soul before God that I'm not in control, you know, and I think that's one of the hardest parts of ministry for me is doing the things that God asked me to do, trying to be the man that God wants me to be, and still you know, sometimes people just are going to do what they really want to do. And, and and that's okay. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to be upset or, or bothered and I'm not going to love anybody differently because they choose to do something that I disagree with. But it is difficult, you know. It's difficult because you care. It's difficult because you want uh, you want everybody to to be okay. And, and in my faith, if you've been listening to this podcast or maybe this is the first time you're tuning in, uh, in my faith, I believe that Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior, and I believe that Christianity is the only way, and I believe that the Bible is the only source of true theology to lead a person into a genuine relationship with the deity and a relationship where they are in grace and will be saved and have an eternal life beyond this one. So for me, and in my beliefs, and I believe that wholeheartedly, in my beliefs, it, it, it hurts when someone doesn't respond well to the gospel. And, and over the years, I've seen it again and again and again. And and it doesn't discourage me. I think it just continues to put uh, life and my own heart into perspective to remember that, hey, I, I still have to learn to let go and be at peace. And I'm still learning and I'm not there yet all the time, but I am um, I'm growing. And it also reminds me that God God's working. And just because something doesn't happen right in front of my eyes doesn't mean that it won't happen. It also doesn't mean that it will. But the truth is, is that my peace uh, has to come from being who God asked me to be, not from seeing the things happen that I want to happen. Um, and that's a big wrestling match for me. So anyway, it's been a, a bit of an emotional week because of things like that and um, good emotions, bad emotions. Oh, yeah. One thing with the with the scam that I, I got hit with a couple of weeks ago, uh, the bank did call me today. They were not able to refund all of what I spent thinking that my dad was kidnapped, uh, which I understand. Um, but, but what they did was they were able to reimburse me, um, in this case for the overdraft fees that were occurred on my bank account, which meant a lot to me. You know, I was pretty frustrated because right after the scam, I got hit with overdraft fees because, (laughs) because I had bills that were being paid, you know? And, and I felt like, man, the bank really doesn't care. Uh, but, but they do, they called me, they, they talked with me, and they were willing and able and immediately refunded me um, for the overdraft fees, which I thought 
was was pretty cool. Um, so I, I'm being anonymous about which bank it was on purpose. Uh, don't need to say the name, but what's neat is uh, they they were able to work with me and look out for me despite the unfortunate circumstances that happened a couple of weeks ago. So. Anyway, let's get into the juicy stuff. So about 10 years ago, I worked at a place called Asian Chow. And if you live in Miami or you visited Pembroke Lakes Mall or basically any mall, you will be aware of what Asian Chow is. It's, it's just a, a Asian restaurant. They serve bourbon chicken, orange chicken, the good stuff, the lo mein, the brown rice, the fried rice, white rice, things like that. And I used to serve the samples of the bourbon chicken. So I'd stand outside and I'd have my tray and I'd meet people and serve them uh, samples of bourbon chicken so that they would get interested in the, in the flavor and then go and buy chicken from our restaurant. That's what I did. And, and one day, this short black guy with long hair and glasses walked up to me and he asked me if I believed that Jesus was my Lord and Savior. And I told him, yeah, I mean, I believe that 100%. And it was interesting after that because... I don't know if he expected it or didn't expect me to say that. I'm not sure. But he had a kind of like satisfied, smug smile on his face. And he kind of just kept walking uh, right past me. Um, I was thankful that he asked me. But I never saw him again. Didn't even know his name. <laughs> and we didn't have much more of a conversation. Uh, so in hindsight, I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad he asked me that. But I'm not sure what he was looking for. Because I responded positively, so I'm not sure why the, the conversation didn't continue on. And I'm not sure if I had responded negatively, you know, would he have tried to convince me otherwise? I'm not sure. But another story, another time I was at a church, a bunch of my friends used to go to on Wednesday nights uh, for a youth group service. And the pastor was preaching a, a pretty moving message. He was good. He preached pretty well, talked pretty well. And, and he came forward um, and he told us, you know, to bow our heads and close our eyes. And that if any of us wanted to give our life to Christ that night, to look up, you know, and look up and, and no one would know we're looking up because everybody who didn't do it that night or had already done it would still have their head bowed down. You know what I'm saying? So I, I do look up because at this point in my life, I had never given my life to Christ. I think I was about 15 or 16 years old, maybe, maybe 14. Not sure. Um, I don't remember the age. But I looked up and I caught eye contact with him and he said, all right, if you're looking at me, go ahead and stand up and walk out. Nobody will see you. Go ahead and go outside. And uh, his assistant will be out there waiting for us. So I did. I got up. I walked outside and I talked with the with the, with the, the guy I thought was pretty cool. He was a youth pastor. He was pretty cool. Um, and he asked me, he said, you know, do you believe that Jesus is your Savior and your Lord? And I said, yeah, of course, man. Like I do. And And he said, all right, man, that's it. That's all you need to do. And it took me a quick second. I kind of was surprised, you know, because I expected there to be more. <clears throat> but then beyond that, you know, I just got excited. And I was like, really? That's it? You know, oh, wow. You know, and I got uh, so excited. I ended up telling my mom. And I was like, hey, mom, I gave my life to Christ tonight. You know, just just was really encouraged by that night. Um, but as time went on past that night, I realized that, man, I'm, to be honest with you guys, that, you know, I didn't see a change in my life. I was still bitter, still angry, still manipulative. I was still very sexually immoral. During this time of my life, I honestly never even read the Bible. I knew some verses, but there wasn't, there was no, I, I didn't read it. I didn't study it at all. But I believed I was a Christian. It's, it's these two experiences that I just share with you. 
that really shaped my life prior to actually becoming a Christian. And and honestly, it wasn't until hindsight where I realized that these experiences were not the full picture. Sometimes when we hear the words reach out to people, we usually imagine, at least I do, walking up to someone that I don't know, tugging at their beliefs, and trying to get them to trust in whatever it is that I believe. Trying to persuade them in an instant that they have to think like me and change their life. And we think about getting a person to do what we want rather than rather than really wanting to do what it takes to get to know and serve that person. And, okay, so let's be basic. Why do we share our faith as Christians, as people who say that we're disciples? It's simple. We, we do it because we believe that we have the one message, the one message that can actually save lives. And we believe this because of passages like 1 Corinthians 15. The message that saves, the or Romans 1, the gospel is the power of salvation for those who believe. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we're commanded by Jesus in this section to go and teach people and to make and, and to help them become disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then further instructing them in obedience towards everything that Christ taught. So this is this is why, as a Christian, we reach into the lives of other men and women, despite what they believe, despite who they are, and despite what they do. And if we're not careful, which I have been on the wrong end of this, we simply boil down reaching out to people to what happened to me. To either walking up to them and trying to change them in an instant or just telling them that it's not much that they have to do. Just do this and then and then we move on. And, and But we don't have a relationship with them. We don't really even know what they're going through. We don't know where they've been. We don't know what they even need. So the, the gospel boiled down to that is wrong. Not only wrong, but it's also very impersonal. And Jesus was extremely personal. And I'm not saying that randomly approaching a person is wrong. What I am saying, though, is that not developing a relationship with the person, caring about them and loving them is wrong. Because Jesus commands us to love. He commands us to love our neighbor. He commands us to love him. Matthew 22, 37 and 39, right? And then he tells us to love each other, fellow Christians, as he himself loved us. So the walking up to people randomly, meeting them, whether it be on your campus, which I do uh, quite a lot, especially towards the beginning of a semester, it, it works. It, it does. I've seen it work. I have actually seen people become disciples and mature from meeting them randomly like that. It, it actually works. And, and it's, it's also pretty fun. <laughs> but, but it doesn't take much time or investment if you don't want a relationship, which is what I'm getting at, so the relational aspect of it is what makes it work. Because it's a person that you're you're impacting, you're sharing your life with them, you're you're building a relationship. And these things take time. So it does work. But what I'm what I'm negative against is just simply walking up to somebody because you have an agenda. 
not because you care. I don't think Christ would do that. I've never seen him do that in the scriptures. So my point is, is just simply getting people to fall in line with our own agenda and pulling them into a system to try and change them. It's not what God did. It's not what Jesus did. Jesus went where the people were. He served them where they were. He shared his life with them and they shared their lives with him. And they knew he loved them. And in that process, Jesus won their hearts over because they trusted him. And he had a real relationship with them. He definitely reached randomly into people's lives, okay? And then you just think of the lady at the well in John chapter 4. But the point is, is that she knew he loved her. The simple fact that he even spoke to her sent a strong message to her that he wasn't normal and he didn't see her the way that the rest of the world saw her. It's interesting when you start to think of it this way. So some, some questions to ponder. When, when, it, when it comes to the people you're reaching out to, do you know what they need and do you meet their needs if you can or find a way maybe you get a, a group of people to meet their needs do you go and do things that they love to do or is it all about them coming to where you want them to be do you share all the parts of your life with them or just some you know being a young married man one of the most powerful tools that i've ever seen in my marriage is when I'm open about the things that I'm wrestling with and the, and, the, and the things that are hard for me as a husband with other young men who are not married or other men who are. This gives them a chance to have a lens into my life. This gives them a chance to know, wow, you know, Mitchell is not perfect. He, he struggles with lust. He struggles with pride. He struggles with arrogance. That's what I, that's what he wrestles with. He's human. Okay, man, I, I see the real side of this guy, and I see how God is helping him change. And I think this is so important when it comes to reaching out to people. This is such an important part of showing them how God's working. Because if you look at Jesus in this time, Jesus was perfect. So when he shared his life, people saw nothing but perfection and love from God. And they needed to see that because they needed to realize how to live. And they also needed to realize that they couldn't live that way without him. But when we share, we get the privilege to share as a person who's being changed by God, right? And even if our sins are ugly and, and dirty, and, and be wise about what you share. You know, I, I wouldn't share about your sexual problems or sexual life with a person who's single and not in the same season of life. Especially if they're not inquiring about that or, or they have never been married in the past i think you just got to be wise about that one and you're probably gonna make some mistakes there but that's okay that's how we learn but point being we get to share how we're overcoming these areas of sin through christ which i think is such an important part of building a true relationship with the person that we're reaching out to so so for example if if we're not personally involved in a person's life as we share the gospel with them and we're not pulling them into our life and sharing the areas that we are wrestling with and what we're overcoming and how we're overcoming it, then that relationship won't be personal. And their experience of coming to know Jesus won't be personal, which it's not supposed to be that way if you observe the scriptures. I met a guy a few years back named Nick. I met him at FSU's campus and we studied the Bible together once a week and we just never really clicked. 
And I look back on that and I'm like, well, duh, no wonder we didn't click. I never really spent any time with him. I didn't know what was going on in his life. I didn't know how he was doing. I didn't know what he needed. I didn't know how he even felt about being in college or what his background was. I had no idea. And we'd meet and we'd talk and we studied the Bible and he would agree with the Bible, but I'd see no change. And then we meet and talk and repeat. I mean, it was just the same thing over and over again. But the problem was that I had no friendship with him. He didn't know that I loved him and cared about him. And in fact, at that time, I can honestly look back and say I didn't love him or care about him. I just wanted him to do what I thought was best for him. Quite frankly, that's not loving. As weird as that is, right? You think, well, you're a minister. At that time, I wasn't. I was an intern. But you're a a disciple. You want somebody to come to Jesus. You're trying to help them. That's not loving? In my case, no, it wasn't. It wasn't because I wasn't concerned about his needs. I wasn't concerned about even his wants. I was just concerned about what I thought he needed. And I didn't meet him where he was at. Jesus met met us where we where we're at. I, I didn't do that with Nick, and if I could see him today or even uh, or meet him again today, I'd apologize to him about that. Uh, but but that's an example of I, it's an example of what not to do when reaching out to someone. Have a genuine friendship with them because you love them. Don't just teach them something without caring enough to even have a friendship. And, and without really loving them. That's a trap. It's a trap because down deep inside, what I'm really saying is that I'm more concerned about what I want. At that point, I'm just selfishly trying to help someone. And and I'm doing it for my own will and my own glory. Not not even because God loves them. Not, not even because I want them to be right with God, but because I want them to do what I want them to do. It, man, it's tricky. And... And you may be there right now. You you may not be in a spot where you're reaching out to people and 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 helping them become Christians because you actually love them. And I'm not telling you to stop because it may take the process of trying to help somebody become a Christian to show you that you don't love the way you need to. Right? It may take that. Just realize that you may hurt a lot of people. I have hurt people before, and I and I regret that. But I also realize that it's a part of the learning process that I had to go through. So if you find yourself in a situation like that, where you don't you don't really think you love people, or you don't really see that you love people, or you don't see any actions taking place in your mind or in the way that you're treating people that you love them, just try to learn to love. Ask the people closest to you how can how you can love better. What can you do to be more like Jesus in the way that you love? Right. Read First Corinthians 13. Uh, it, it's a great section. It gives you very practical application for how to love people. If you find yourself being impatient, if you find yourself being envious, if you find yourself keeping records of wrongs, well, then you don't love enough. And, and that's challenging, I know. But it's a part of the growth process. So I bring this up just to say, don't do like me and studying with Nick. Be better than that. Be like Christ and love people and care about them enough to meet their needs, put their needs above your own, and and also prioritize, do prioritize helping them learn what the gospel is and how they should respond to it. That is a need. But sometimes it takes meeting other needs first before people's guard goes down and they actually trust you. So just be smart about it. It's more than just an hour-long conversation once a week. It's an actual relationship. 
So what are some things you can do? Uh, let's get to the, let's answer the question. How do you reach out to people? Well, obviously you need to love. You have to. You actually need to care about people. If you don't care about a person, well, why? Why don't you care? Do you not realize how much God cares about you? Do you, I mean, maybe you're just having a bad day. It's worth exploring that. Explore that. Do it with the people closest to you. Ask them for the input and their thoughts. So, so beyond loving people, because we got that down, here's what you do. Do something fun together with them, with your friends. Figure out what this person loves to do and go do that. If the person loves pianos, man, go learn piano with them or go play a piano or, or, or give them some music about pianos. It, it sounds simple. But it really goes a long way because if you take interest, genuine interest, again, don't fake this. But if you if you take genuine interest in what someone else is interested in, that's how you start to build a relationship. That's what relationships are built on. Think about your relationships for a second. There's a sharing of mutual interests. Another thing you can do, you can have them in your home. Have them in your home for breakfast or lunch or dinner with other people or with your spouse if you're married, right? Or just just create a, a home atmosphere where you can have fun. Sometimes you have some of your best talks at home. You know, it's a comfortable place. People sitting on your couch with a cup of coffee or you guys watching a TV show or sharing breakfast or something with your neighbors. It's just special. It, it means a lot. It's The home is a place of intimacy and, and, and it's a place that you only share with your closest friends. I think having someone in the home is a very good thing you can do. Another thing, you could, you could ask them what you could pray for them for and, and then actually pray for them because everybody has something going on. Everybody. Everybody has something going on in their life, something going on in their mind, something going on in their heart. And it's good to have people who care enough to ask and then also follow up with them after you pray for them and ask them how it's going. You're reminding them that you're praying for them, even if they may forget. You could encourage them. Right. Just just simply encourage them. What do you like about them? What do you appreciate about them? What are you what are you learning that you want to share with them? Right. Or what are they doing in their life that's inspiring you in your life? Just encourage them. You could even especially encourage them in areas where you're making mistakes. Right. Like, man, I messed up here, but here's what I'm trying to do about it. I'm trying to fix this. You know, what would you do? You can ask them for help with your mistakes. This is yes, it takes some humility, but I think. Ultimately, again, what's the what's the goal is to have a real friendship. I think real friends, especially, I mean, the ones that I feel closest to are the ones who, who ask for my input into the things that they're trying to do. I think that goes a long way. A couple more things you could. I mean, this is essential. You, you can understand their background. Try to get to know them, where they're from. What, what did they grow? What was life like growing up for them? What did they go through? What are some of their favorite memories or childhood memories or traditions or things they did with their families right what do they desire out of this life what are some of their dreams you share your background and your dreams with them also i think that's essential and and then as far as the as far as helping them follow god this is all a part of it sometimes we have a hard time bringing up godly things sometimes we have a hard time asking personal questions and usually, I think that because we feel like we aren't friends enough with a person, 
we hesitate to ask these types of questions. Hey, what do you really believe? Or how do you feel about the Bible? Or what is Jesus? Who is he to you? Or do you believe that God even exists? Some of these questions I used to think are hard for people because they don't have a real friendship. But I'm realizing as of late, as I've talked to a few different people, that sometimes we don't ask these questions because we think we're going to lose the friendship. And here's what I want to encourage you listeners with. If you're a person who has good friendships with people and you're afraid to bring up God or your beliefs or their beliefs or topics that are a bit more touchy because you're afraid to lose a friendship, I really want to encourage you to realize that you don't actually have the full friendship that you could have. If you ask these types of questions and share this part of your heart, you don't have a true friendship. What you have is a friendship, but you believe, if you really believe this person, A, isn't right with God, or B, could grow and become a better person because they want to, because you know they'd like to, having these conversations will help your friendship. And, and yes, yes, of course, you could lose the quote unquote friendship with this person because they don't believe the truth or what you share with them. You could. But for me, I would much rather look this person square in the eye on our last day. And they know I cared enough about them to share with them what I wholeheartedly believed was true. I would never, ever, ever want this person to look at me. And ask me, Mitchell, why didn't you tell me if you knew? That's like my worst nightmare, man. Um, <laughs> so, 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 yeah, I, I get it. I know it's scary sometimes. You think you're going to lose that friendship. They're not going to like you or they're never going to talk to you again. Or maybe this has happened to you multiple times. But if you don't share the gospel with the person and meet their greatest need, which is their need to have their sins forgiven, right? They need that. Every person does then is it really a friendship? You know, I encourage you to think about that. So you got to share the gospel with them. You have to lay out a healthy foundation for them to stand on and become a Christian. If they do become a Christian in time, then you continue to help them mature and keep sharing your life with them, right? Or, or you connect them and or actually you connect them to someone who can share their life with them and help them keep maturing too. That's part of being a part of the church. The church should help each other grow. As each part of it, it's each part does its work. Um, here's another pitfall I think we have in reaching out to people. I think if they don't want to become a Christian or they don't want to obey the Bible, then we all of a sudden stop loving them, <laughs> right? We we say, "Oh, my love's conditional," and you're out of my box. That's so unChristlike. Jesus never stopped loving anybody. People who didn't want to follow him, he let them go. He did. Read John 6 and 6.66 to be exact. He, he let them go. He did not force anybody to follow him. And he didn't mistreat anybody who didn't. He loved everybody unconditionally. He called them to follow him the same. So if a person isn't responding the way you want them to, love them anyway. This this may change your relationship a little bit. You you may not naturally be able to spend as much time, right? You may not be able to because they may be doing things that you don't want to do or uh, that will cause you to compromise on what you believe. Or they may not want to be around you because, you know, you just never really know. Point being, though, is that a person should know you love them 
even if you disagree with them. And and to be quite frank, this generation and a few generations just ahead of us and behind us, millennials, we do such a bad job at disagreeing with people and still having a friendship. For some reason, we think that if we disagree with each other, then we can't be friends. What happened to mature disagreements? What happened to being able to have a cordial conversation to disagree and still have a mutual respect for one another? I don't know where that went, but that's something that needs to come on back because it stops us from having some of the most powerful and most profound conversations and even friendships that we need. Just two cents. But the point being, if a person doesn't want to respond to the gospel and you're reaching out to them, you need to be at peace with them being a friend. And you got to keep that relationship warm and genuine and respect the boundaries. If they don't want to talk about it, that's fine. They don't have to talk about it. You don't have to talk about it. But you got to be who you are, right? So don't go changing your relationship with God and who you are because somebody doesn't like it. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is love them, respect them, give them their space. But the love should never be questioned by them. It should never be questioned by them. In John 13, 34 to 35 we get the whole foundation of this entire talk. And Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. This is a profound verse to me. You'll hear me mention it over and over and over again. But it is amazing because it all comes down to love. It's not our intelligence. It's not how eloquent we are. We're laying out the gospel. It's not how suave we are when meeting a new person. If you want to effectively reach out to people, love people the way Jesus has loved you. Do everything with love. Teach them with love. Teach them the truth with love. Be patient. And, and if they reject it, if they reject you, then respect their boundaries. Trusting that God's faithful and he's still working in their life. I hope this is helpful for you as you consider how to reach out to people. I know that a lot of us have had bad experiences. I have had bad experiences before. A part of being a Christian is persecution. That is promised. A part of being a Christian is suffering. And quite frankly, in America today, when it comes to persecution, we do not have it as bad as as other places. We don't. Uh, recently, I know we had a shooting um, in the church, which just breaks my heart when things like that happen. I don't understand why. Um, but actually, you know, I do understand why. Satan is working. He's trying to discourage us from following God. <sighs> he just is. But persecution and suffering are promised. We have to remember that God is faithful and remember to keep each other in prayer so that we can make it through the persecutions that we face. But I hope that you are encouraged, inspired. I hope that you have some, some practical things you can take and put into your life as you're reaching out to people. And that this will just make, the, make it more fun. The one thing I didn't get to mention that I'll mention very quickly is that when you share your life with people and they share their life with you, this becomes fun. And I think God intended it that way. It should be something that we enjoy, sharing our life and helping people come to know him. Even though it has its sufferings and its difficulties and its persecutions. It becomes more fun when we make it a part of our life. So I want to encourage you with that. Um, enjoy it, man. Sometimes it's so easy not to. And in my case, because I get 
too focused sometimes on what's not happening rather than on trusting and having faith that God's using me and working even beyond what I can see. Next week, we're going to have our interview with Carlos Pino, which I'm excited. He is, I'm always excited, right? <laughs> not really, <laughs> but I am excited when I'm talking to you guys. He's awesome. He's a great friend of mine. He is studying to become a dietitian at Florida State University. He is a disciple of Jesus Christ, and he has some awesome perspectives to offer that I think will encourage you and give you strength even more. Um, so again, thanks for listening, guys. Have an awesome week. Thank you for listening to Candid Mike, where we share life and ministry principles to inspire transformation and ministry development. Each episode is a joy for us to record, and we are so thankful that you tune in to listen to us. A big thanks to Steezy Prime for our show music, which you can find more of his music on SoundCloud at Steezy Prime. Please stay tuned for our next episode, and follow us on Instagram at Candid Mike Podcast. Thank you. Until next time.